We are uh, on our third or fourth week, I think maybe, maybe the fourth week of uh, the DNA of faith, the DNA of faith. And we're going to be looking, of course, over at uh, Hebrews 11 and uh, probably also Mark 11. And I wanted to pick up where we left off last week. And we know that um, faith, in a large sense, you could, you could sum up faith by saying faith is acting on the word of God, all right? So the reason I, I'm spending so much time defining faith is because a lot of times we just assume we know what something means or we assume we know what a word means and then our actions are based on our assumption of the definition of the word, right? And so... Um, and all of a sudden you might have to, if you have kids especially, you, you look up the word and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's like more, a more full uh, picture of that word. So last week we talked about a sunset and we talked about a rose, how like with a rose you could have, I could say, well, that's, I just saw a beautiful rose this morning. Or I could describe it and say, I saw this beautiful red rose with a green stem and it had really long thorns on it and the petals of that rose had such detail when I took a second to look at them you could almost see these vertical lines in every petal and the shades went from a dark burgundy red up to a light almost pink red but the fragrance of that it caught my attention and I I could smell the fragrance of it and so we're kind of doing the same thing with faith right Faith is believing God, and faith is believing God beyond your circumstances, but what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? Well, why is this so important? Well, it's so important because you cannot, not you might not, not it's possible that you won't, but you cannot please God without faith. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please God. Not improbable. It is impossible to please God. Well, somebody said, you can't please God and not know it. In other words, you can't act in faith and not know that you acted in faith because faith pleases God. And Smith Wigglesworth said, it seems like God will pass over a million people just to get to one person who's acting in faith. Well, why is that? Why would God neglect all these people and all these people and go to the one that's acting in faith? Because he watches his word to perform it. Because his word will never pass away. Because he confirms his word. And so to the one that's acting on his word, that's the one that's acting in faith. And so that's, the only thing he can confirm. And so it's not that God loves someone more than someone else. It's not that God has a favorite. In other words, well, uh, he's just decided that he took a liking to you when you were in your mother's womb, how you like jumped and jerked or whatever you did. Evie, our oldest daughter, she just jumped and jerked all the time and she still does the same thing. She bounces, bounces, bounces. And so uh, we have a trampoline so she likes to use it. And so it's not that God just pointed you out and said, you're more special, or pointed this other person out and said, you're more special. It's because God responds to faith. Well, what happens? Well, you put yourself in a position to receive what he has done. In other words, if I tell my children, 
My son just got a, a, a BB gun, one of my kids. And so if I tell him, Isaac, if you want to shoot your BB gun, get your room clean and then remind me at three o'clock. Well, if he doesn't do what I, my word told him to do, and he doesn't clean his room, so he doesn't clean his room, and he doesn't come get me at three o'clock, either of those, and then at seven o'clock or eight o'clock when they're getting ready for bed, he's like, Dad, are we going to shoot the BB gun? And I said, well, I gave you my word. I said, if you clean your room and you come get me at three o'clock, we will shoot the BB gun. But you didn't uh, act on my word. So uh, I, I can't bless you because now it's too late. You've got to go to bed. I've got other things. I can't. I, I can't do that. But yet I want to. Do you, do you understand the illustration? And so we just have to simply believe God so much so that it changes how we live or maybe doesn't change, affects how we live. In other words, that we just believe it. Remember, uh, I love when you're, you're talking about faith. Uh, Jesus said, so it's in red. Jesus said, he that has faith as a little child. Well, what is faith of a little child? Well, I mean, I've told my kids stuff like what I told uh, the illustration I just gave you for Isaac before. And, you know, you say it, and then maybe you get busy, you kind of forget about it, and all of a sudden you see, like, they're all dressed up, they got their fishing pole, they're ready to go because you said this. So what are you doing? Oh, Dad, you said da-da-da. Like, there was no doubt, no hesitation, nothing. They're like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. You're like, you're right. This is what we're doing. <laughs> I apologize. I forgot. <laughs> and so, um, because I'm not God, I'm fallible. And so, but even he said, remind me, put me in remembrance, declare that you may be justified. And um, so we see that when we act on his word in simple childlike faith, in other words, don't complicate it up. Don't get a bunch of like other junk in there. You just believe so much that you will act. So we're defining faith because I, I believe as soon as you have a clear definition of faith, you understand what it is, then you can see if there's any areas uh, in your life where you're acting in a, uh, not fully acting in the God kind of faith, right? Because we want to act in the God kind of faith. Because the God kind of faith is infallible. The God kind of faith uh, doesn't make mistakes. And so sometimes if you have a hesitation, if you say like if I said uh, at the end of the service, I want everyone to, that needs healing to come up here and I'll lay hands on you. Uh, I, in order to get results, you really need to come up with a God kind of faith. Somebody said, well, like, how do I get the God kind of faith? Well, that's real easy. You just have to be born again. As soon as you get born again, it's given to every man the measure of faith. And Jesus said in Mark 11, 22, have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness or like uh, whatever translation I, I looked up the other week said, have faith from God. In other words, you grab hold of the faith from God because that faith is solid and steady. And so every single one of you, every sing, if you're a Christian, every single one of us has the God kind of faith inside of us. But the problem is, so many times, whether we would say the words or not, the thinking is, and therefore the actions become, well, I just don't have enough faith. Well, I just don't, I just don't this, I just don't that. Well, there is, there is um, an aspect to that, and that would be this aspect. 
if you don't have knowledge of something, you cannot act on it. In other words, I went for years and I didn't have knowledge that by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. And that by the stripes of Jesus, I was set free. That part of redemption was physical health and healing. Not just healing. Don't just accept just healing. Don't accept just healing. It's actually you can walk in health. Well, what's the difference? Well, one is if you're sick or you have an infirmity, you need to be healed. You're under this condition now. Health or walking in health means that you're always healthy. You always walk in health. So you don't have to get to the point where you're uh, pushed down or bound by this sickness and you have to get out from underneath it, but you can actually live in divine health. This is for the believer. Actually, it's also for the lost because Christ's redemption was for mankind. God redeemed mankind in Christ, by Christ, through Christ. And he made us right with him. And that reconciliation, that making us right, that very act of Christ raising from the dead and throwing off all sickness, all disease, all sin, all mental problems, that was for every single person on the face of the earth. And so the reason people a lot of times don't have that is they don't know it. And some people know it and they don't believe it. They, they see it as like a historical fact. So faith is, elements of faith is trust. So you're trusting. And I'm going to go through these uh, maybe uh, kind of quickly for a second because we, we went through some of this last week. So faith has an element of trust. Faith has an element of fear, that you're in awe of God, that you're conscious of him, that you understand he's the actual source of power and knowledge, and that you can't go anywhere that he's not. In other words, he's a big deal. And when God shows up, anything you need shows up. And it says, the word tells us that God is all present everywhere. Omnipresent is what a theologian would say. God is always present everywhere. And even the psalmist said, I can ascend to the, the top of the hill and you're there. I can go down to make my bed in hell and behold, you are there. Even there, your hand will lead me and guide me. So I don't know where you're at today spiritually. I don't know where you're at today uh, in your life, what's going on with you. But I'll tell you, you can't go anywhere that God God is not, and that God cannot grab hold of you, that God has actually not already paid the price for your complete freedom and for you to have a complete, full, Jesus called it, abundant life. I have come, he came for this very purpose, that you may have life, one translation says, and have it to the full. Well, if you've got a sickness in your body, that's not full natural life. Well, the other thing I would say is not full natural life is if you're not fearing God. Well, somebody said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, if you don't understand the enormity of who God is and what God has and the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the favor of God, if you don't understand that, it's like you're living in this vessel and you're like locked up here tight, but he wants to expand you. He wants you to live a full life, that you have fullness of life and fullness of understanding that you begin to see and to know as God sees and God knows, and he, he's, he's locked these things up. But he says, Jesus taught us, he reveals them by his spirit. But if I'm not a God-fearing person, in other words, I'll be like, yeah, I got the Holy Spirit, you know, that does, no big deal. What if I don't understand, that's a huge deal. That the 
creator of the universe, that the same spirit, that anointed Christ, that's the same spirit, self-same spirit, that raised Christ from the dead, the one that raised Christ from the dead, and when, when the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, when God did it by the person of the Holy Spirit, he didn't just overcome a physical death problem from uh, being crucified on the cross, but he actually overcame uh, in the raising of the dead, Christ overcame all the power of the enemy. He had gained victory over all the power of the enemy, over the power of hell itself, over the punishment that was due to all people. Christ overcame that. And so when the Holy Spirit raised Christ, he didn't just overcome, I like how, I can't, I have to say how Pastor Mark says it, rigor mortis. In other words, it wasn't just like some stiff body and all of a sudden now life came back into it. Okay, life came back into that body. But this is life from God. And this overcame every bit of power, physical power, every bit of dominion, every bit of authority, every bit of anything that the devil had done to corrupt what God had created. Jesus overcame it by the power of the Holy Spirit and God raised him from the dead. And that same spirit lives in the believer, dwells in the believer. But our problem is we don't, um, we, do, we are not conscious of that and we do not respond to that. Like, in other words, uh, Dad Hagen used to say, is he just a hitchhiker? In other words, is he just along for the ride? What, why, is, why is he in there? What's he doing in there? But it's interesting, if you fear God, in other words, you're like, oh, uh, was it, uh, I think it was John G. Lake used to uh, look in the mirror and say, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside. That's because he knows God lives in here. And he's saying, he'd say it to himself, John, you're a thousand times bigger on the inside. You ought to say that to yourself every day because God lives inside of you. Well, as soon as you start to be conscious of that, as soon as that starts to, you know, you may say it and you're, you're kind of like, you know, I'll tell you, it feels awkward <laughs> talking to yourself in the mirror. But you know, the more you do it, you'll be like, whoa, whoa, why? Because that's a Bible truth. That's a reality for the believer. And so you'll start to uh, become conscious that God lives on the inside of you. Do you know that affects your faith? That's an element of your faith. So trust, fear, obedience. Uh, obedience is also an element of faith. In other words, so much so in the, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, Basically, uh, they, they kind of summed up faith completely to obedience. That's how, they, that's how they got into just works because it was like they had the law and then once they wrote the law and they kind of put it all together, then they're like, you got to follow this and if you're not following this, then you're not declared righteous and you got to know this if you don't know this. Well, uh, the interesting thing for us is uh, that faith uh, was not thrown away. But faith in the New Testament is just a little different, but it still includes all of that, right? It still includes the trust and the fear and the obedience and, and the um, belief, of course. So faith is also obeying. Uh, to believe is actually to obey. Paul even called believing confession of the gospel. 
In other words, he said, if you confess the gospel, then you believe. 2 Corinthians 9.13, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel and for your liberal sharing with them of all men. And so as you obey, you actually confess. Okay. And so where I want to get to, and I want to make sure I get there, is that faith in the New Testament is the Greek word pistis. Okay, and so they had a faith in the old covenant, but the faith in the old covenant was always based on what God had done. All right, so it's, it's this that he did in history, what he did, okay? But faith for us, remember, I know most of you probably know, Romans chapter 10, and um, the word is near you, even in your mouth. That is the word of faith that we preach, or one translation says the word on faith that we preach, in other words, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? Well, faith in the New Testament, under our covenant, faith for the believer in Christ Jesus is actually based on the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can they believe without a preacher? In other words, right before that it says, how can they hear unless someone tells them? And so our faith is actually... Yes, trust. Yes, obedience. Yes, fear. Yes, belief. But it's not just based on what God did in parting the Red Sea. But our faith is based in the gospel message, the good news that Jesus was died, buried, rose again on the third day and is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Okay? That's faith in the gospel. Um, and New Testament faith has to have that element. Well, how, do you, how, how in the world do you receive that kind of faith? Well, what did we talk about last week? You actually have to, as a conscious decision of your will, give up your will. And you say, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. It's not my way now. It's God's way. And so you actually have to release this to grab hold of this. So you can't be like, if, if you do this, like you're crucifying yourself. You see how like I'm, my hands are up? But you have to release the self-will as an act of your will. Right? I want to go slow on that because it can bend your mind a little bit. But in other words, you have a will. You have a choice. You can decide. If you have to use the restroom right now, you could will to wait as long as you're physically healthy. And if you're not, we'll pray for you. Or you could will to get up right now and go. In other words, you're going to decide. In other words, you decided if you're not a child this morning, you decided if you were going to come to church today as an act of your will. You made that decision. Well, as an act of your will, you say, you know what? I give up my rights, I give up my way, and I'm accepting Jesus Christ, and I'm taking his way. But you know, that act of faith, that is the ultimate act of faith. But that act of faith should not just be limited to the one time when you prayed and accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. For the believer, that act of faith, even faith itself, is a lifestyle. In other words, you don't just say, okay, if you're not born again, today is June 25th, 2017, I'm giving my life to Christ, and tomorrow I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's not how it works. No, this is like once and for all. You say, Lord, I'm not living anymore for myself. I'm not, I'm not um, going to do just what I want to do. I'm going to do what you said. Well, of course, that applies. You know, somebody think uh, maybe of somebody that's not um, born again, and you think of maybe some 
a fleshly sin that they have or something like that, and they're going to give up that sin. Okay, well, it applies in that area. But that, applies in, that applies in the area of financial giving. In other words, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. In other words, I'm not doing it the way I think is best. I'm doing it the way you said it's best because I believe you. So in other words, an act of my faith is, you know, what he said about tithing, so I tithe. Or what he said about offerings, so I, so I sow offerings. That's an act of my faith. But don't just stop there because some people say, well, the Bible says to do it, so I just do it. Well, read the rest of the verse. I will multiply your seed sown with tithe. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. There'll be meat in my house. And so that means, what does that mean? If I actually believe that, I am so excited. I can't wait to give. I can't wait to tithe because I know I believe it. So I believe part A and part B of the verse. So I'm like, as soon as I do it, and then I don't even have to be prompted to say, oh, the Lord is multiplying my seed. I've got seed in the ground. It's coming back. I don't know what day. I don't know what hour, but I guarantee it's coming back because I did it as an act of my trust in God, as an act of my fear for God, as an act of my obedience to God. I did this, right? But the only way you can do that is if you're actually giving up self-will, but you have to decide to do that. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You make a decision to give up your self-will. So self-will is like a lot of things. Some people say, well, it's a self-will because I'm going to overeat or something like that. Well, no, self-will is just kind of looking to self. And so faith doesn't look to yourself. If I say this is self over here, faith looks to God. Right? So we talked about it, I think we talked about it last week, in that uh, if you see someone that's actually acting in faith, then you're not going to see someone, I think we talked about the big toe, right? The healing of the big toe. And so you're not going to see someone come up and be like, look, I am so awesome because I believe God and he healed my big toe. That is not faith. That is not faith. They may have accidentally gotten in line with the word, or maybe they uh, made something up, or I don't know. I, I'm going to explain all that kind of stuff. But faith is in God, and faith will glorify God, not self. And faith will point people to God, not self. That's a significant issue, and that's a significant issue in um, our group of belief churches right? So a lot of times people want to be like, um, if you just, uh, you know, you, you just need to do this, you need to do that, and look at me, and I did this, and everything like that. You know, if people aren't directing you to Jesus and magnifying God, I wouldn't really heed what they say too much, because Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I see my Father do, and I came to glorify my Father, and so if someone is acting and continuing the ministry that Jesus began, then they're going to be acting a lot like Jesus. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But they're going to be endeavoring to draw people's attention to the truth. And so um, you see that faith is actually based on the word of God and faith is based on God. And so if that is actual faith, it's going to glorify God. 
In other words, if it's you, you're going to find it very easy to glorify God because you're going to be like, look what God did. Look what he did. He's amazing. And the more you understand that, it's a childlike faith. It's, it's more about um, letting him do something than it is about you doing something. It's more about getting out of the way and saying, oh, what did you do? That's so amazing. Look at, look at that. I feel like all I did was I just looked, looked at him. I just did what he said. And look what he did. That's what happens when you act in faith. Is like you, you become in awe of what God did and what God does and who God is. And that's the fear part of faith. You understand? So like you become in awe. And so as you're in awe of God, think about it. The times when you've been more conscious of the weightiness of God and the, the enormity of who he is and what he's done and how he is, do you know how much easier it is to act in faith? In other words, if you understand the character of God, that he is so full of mercy, that his mercies are new every single morning, every single day, and that there's nothing that you could do or that I could do that could go beyond where his mercy reaches. When you begin to understand that, that changes your whole approach to God. Because before your approach to God is based on how good you were, what good things you did. Somebody might say, oh, I gave money in the offering, so therefore God's going to hear me. No. You come in faith, God hears you. God hears the prayer of faith, the believing prayer. Trust is an end of self-reliance. Uh, this is not only looking to God uh, and to his word, but this is looking away from yourself and looking to God. It is a releasing on one hand and a grabbing hold on the other. And so we trust God. And under the new covenant, our faith is actually based in the gospel and from the gospel. And I want to read you real quick a couple of um, definitions of gospel and then I'll, I'll read you a, a little paraphrase that T.L. Osborne gave, which I thought was fabulous from the, from the same uh, thing here. It says uh, that the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, in other words, the declaring of the gospel, the making known of the good news, is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. That the messenger of the gospel is just as the man of the gospel himself. In other words, the one that speaks of the death and the burial and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, this is really good news. And the one that speaks of this is the same as Christ himself is. It's as if Christ himself were speaking it. You understand, when the gospel is preached or declared or told that the same power that raised Christ from the dead in that actual occurrence, that same power is present in the preaching of the gospel. In other words, Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. 
And he was raised again that we might be right with God, that we would uh, not be out of place coming to talk to God, to fellowship with God in the presence of God. In other words, he was raised for that, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And by me declaring that right now, if you need anything in your mind, in your body, in your finances, in any area of your life, the power of the Spirit of God in the same ability, same proportion in the raising of Jesus himself from the dead is present right here in this room to meet that need and to make the change. It's as if Christ himself were speaking to you through my lips. The Bible actually says that's what happens when someone declares the gospel and that you should receive it as God himself speaking. So you realize there is mighty power inside of you that is released when you declare and you tell the good news. Not just because I'm here at the pulpit. I'm talking about Every day, day to day, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is inside of you, inside of every one of you, inside of every believer. That same power is available. But what happens? We don't revere that enough that we actually act on it. We're not conscious enough of that that we actually act on it. In other words, um, we don't allow the faith of that that's in us like I, I like as today's English or something says, uh, faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. So I just preach to you the word of God. And so now your faith hopefully is in an awakened state if you receive it as it is in truth, the very words of God. And then you just act on that. TL said, oh, I didn't finish the other part, the definition. This is just gospel from the Greek, the definition of gospel itself. This is, uh, that's why I say like you really got to kind of understand the words. The risen Lord associates himself with those preachers of the gospel and gives them his power. The message of Christ, now I'm going to give you T.L.'s paraphrase. The message of Christ is the power of God, which is the power of salvation. The power of God in the gospel is proven as God delivers people from the power of darkness and translates them into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, the power of the gospel is proven as you actually see the miracle working of God in the lives of people today in 2017. Gospel is not an empty word. It is grounded in the divine act of deliverance from the rule of Satan, and that deliverance, listen to this, becomes reality by the preaching of the gospel. So remember I said faith for the New Testament believer is actually faith in the gospel act. Faith in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, you can think about it. You can look at Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And so you could say, therefore, this disease is a part of the curse because it's listed over in Deuteronomy. And even if it's not specifically listed in Deuteronomy, it says, and every disease and every sickness that is not listed as part of the curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ himself has redeemed us from the curse of the law. 
Therefore, you say, therefore, I am not under the curse. Therefore, this disease does not belong in my body. Therefore, this disease has no right to my body. Therefore, I declare now that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus and because he lifted the curse off me. And so that's acting on the word. But I want to tell this story. And so there's this... uh, I don't know if it's even a real story or not, but anyhow, a true story. And so there was this grandmother and grandfather and a little uh, young man. And uh, the young man was a little uh, mentally uh, slow. And so they're out in the fields and farmers, and uh, they're working in the field, kind of way out in the field from the house. And all of a sudden, this big storm starts coming up, and it's building, it's building. And the storm overtook them. Before they realized, they thought they had more time than what they had. And it is just like crashing lightning and thunder, and, you know, they're scared. And so they're like, the grandpa says, let's go. And so they start running back to the house. And, and uh, the grandfather and the grandmother got ahead of the little boy, and they dropped to their knees, and they started praying. And uh, the uh, boy said, what are you doing? And they said, well, we're praying to God so he'll save us through this storm. And he said, uh, a scared prayer ain't no account. Do you know what that means? Like a scared prayer will do no good because it's the believing prayer. It's the trusting prayer. It's the, okay, I'll put myself in your hands. I commit myself to you prayer that actually uh, gets the job done because you're like uh, in fear. You're not in faith. You're not trusting God. And so in our lives, anytime that we're responding to the fear of the world and we're not responding to the awesomeness of God, we're not acting in faith. It becomes fact by the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel is the continuation of the saving activity of Jesus Christ. Therefore, the proclaimers of the gospel are the continuators of Christ's ministry. They stand in the place of Jesus and are as he is. So our faith, the definition of faith, more, a more full look at faith would tell you that it's actually believing in the power of the gospel. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith. Today is the day of salvation. So where faith kind of comes home is, I can say, well, uh, I believe the Lord's going to heal me someday. Versus, I believe, I see that he already healed me. What if I'm already healed? Well, then why in the world, why don't I act on that? Well, you know why most people don't act on it? That's where the devil gets them. Because they'll say, I think I told the story about the lady in the wheelchair a few weeks ago. And so she was in the wheelchair. And uh, Brother Hagin talked to her real quick. After she saw in the word, by his stripes I am healed. He said, well, he said, I knew I had to get a hold of her because I didn't want the devil to have the first word right after that to try and, because the devil, like the parable of the sower, the devil always tried to steal the word that was sown. So the devil tried to tell her, well, then if you're healed, why aren't you up? 
Why are you still in this chair? But before she could let that in, he said, will you do something? She said, I will if it's easy. He said, easiest thing in the world. And so he said, let's just praise God. So she, she said, can you praise God? He said, can you praise God for you? And she said, oh, yeah. She said, oh, Lord, I want to thank you that I'm healed. You know, and you know how tired I got sitting in this chair all those years. I'm so happy I'm not sitting, don't have to sit in this chair anymore. I'm so happy that I'm healed. I'm so happy my legs are strong. Hadn't moved a muscle. He said, now arise and walk. And she got up and walked and leaped actually and jumped and then got back in the chair and leaped and jumped and kept going up and she's trying everything out. But see, where the devil tries to get so many of us is, well, if the word says you're healed, why don't you look healed? Well, you say, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved only by what I believe. In other words, we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, we walk in the realm of the spirit, more conscious of the kingdom of God than we are of the natural um, realm. Let me read you one last thing and then we'll close. I think it's a fitting way to close it up. I mentioned A.B. Simpson a few times and um, you know he had so much physical problem in his body and would uh, preach and then basically be exhausted until Wednesday when he regained enough strength to prepare the message for the next week and then he'd be exhausted and that was his... He kept getting worse and worse. That was his lifestyle. He took two weeks away to go through every scripture in the word, talk about um, healing. Well, what's happening? Well, he's building faith on healing. Do you know what I mean? In other words, as soon as you see it, and you see it in your heart, not your head, well, man, you, you just act on it. And so after that, he became so convinced that he wrote this down. He wrote this commitment to the Lord. He said, as I, as I shall meet the Lord in that day, I solemnly accept this truth as part of your word and of the gospel of Christ. And God helping me, I will never question it until I meet you there. That's point number one. Then you have point number two. As I will meet you in that day, I take the Lord Jesus as my physical life for all the needs of my body until all my life work is done. And God helping me, I will never doubt that he does so become my life and my strength from this moment and I will keep me, excuse me, and will keep me under all circumstances until his blessed coming and until all his will for me is perfectly fulfilled. Number three, as I will meet you in that day, I solemnly agree to use this blessing for the glory of God and the good of others and to speak of it and minister in connection with it in any way in which God may call me or others may need me in the future. He said, I arose. It had been only a few minutes, but I knew that something was done. Every fiber of my, okay, I want you to pay real close attention to this. Every fiber of my soul was tingling with the sense of God's presence. Sometimes that happens, sometimes that doesn't. Uh, but deep on the inside, he knew. I do not know whether my body felt better or not. Okay, this is faith. I do not know whether my body felt better or not. I know I did not care or want to feel it. It was so glorious to believe it simply and to know that from this point forward, he had it in hand. I'll read the last part again. I do not know whether my body felt better or not. I know I didn't care or want to feel it. It was so glorious to believe it. Do you know what it's like to believe? It is so amazing to believe. 
You know why? My chains are gone. I've been set free. Jesus Christ has ransomed me. Because I no longer have the chains or you could call the limit or the cap of what this natural world can offer me. You shall know the truth or Jesus Christ and he will set you free or make you free. He is his word. As soon as you understand the word, let's talk about healing. The word concerning healing. He, A.B. Simpson received that word and what happened? That's the voice of freedom. He is not bound by that any longer. Yet his body has not changed that he's aware at all. That's faith. What did he do? He took everything we just said. He just took his trust, his commitment, his fear, his obedience, and directed it to God himself. But in order to do that, how does that kind of faith happen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As soon as you hear what God says and you receive it as such, in other words, you see in the word, this is what God said, and you let that dawn on you, this is God. This is the guy that made all this stuff, created all this stuff. As soon as you let that dawn on you, oh man, it starts to, uh, the best way I can say is it starts to sink deep, 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 deep. He said, uh, the last thing he said was, uh, A.B. Simpson, effectual faith can only come through thorough conviction. What does that mean? Well, he got so convicted about healing being part of the redemption package and what Christ did. He's like, you, you start to read the word and it's alive and the spirit makes it real to you and you start to see it and you see so much of it that you're like, I can't believe anything else. I can't, it's even hard for me to comprehend some things I used to not believe or I used to believe that's different than the word because you're so well grounded in that. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the confidence. Faith is the conviction. Faith is the substance of those things that you hope for. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Oh, he wants to know you. He paid the price for you. you. There's nothing you could do to make yourself good enough. He doesn't even want you to make yourself good enough because he made you good enough. He set you right with God through what he did in dying on the cross. He didn't die on the cross for himself. He died on the cross for you and for your life because he called you out of the trap that the devil has you in and he called you into his marvelous life, his life that's a life of peace, his life that's a life of uh, blessing, his life that's a life of freedom. He called every single one of us into that life and he made us right with God so that we don't have a hesitation. We don't have a consciousness that we don't measure up because we come by Jesus Christ. If that's you here this morning or online, I'd like you to email us or lift up your hand if you're in the room and we'd love to pray with you and for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that if there's anyone under the sound of our voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior, Father, that you'd show them the truth, 
that the blinders would be removed. Satan, we command you to take the blinders off in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the freedom and the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for setting us free. Father, we ask that you'd give us light and understanding of your word. Father, that we would, each of us, individually and corporately, that we would be a people of faith. People that simply, but with our whole hearts, trust you. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.